0: Thank you guys for allowing us to be here. Tonight, uh, I would like you to take your Bible, and I will respect the fact that it is Friday night and that you've come from work, from school, from everything that you do. And uh, I promise, I know I'm not supposed to do that, but I promise that I will respect that. Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28, verse 16. Tonight, we're going to lay the groundwork for tomorrow. You don't want to miss tomorrow. And it's not because it has nothing to do with me. But tomorrow, we are actually fun, spiritually speaking. Because tomorrow, we are going to show you an option. We're going to show you a different way And we're going to, tomorrow, lay out something that I believe is going to help each and every one of us. It helped me. Listen, I grew up in a missionary's home at the age of five years old and on. I've been in church. I've been part of a missionary family. I'm in missions now. Four years ago, God showed me something that totally changed my ministry. And it changed my life. And it got rid of that fear, and the guilt, of not telling people about Christ. Tomorrow, I'd like to help you with that, if you'll allow me. We're going to have two sessions. The first session, we're going to cover some stuff that's going to lay the groundwork for the second session. You don't want to miss either one. I mean, if you have to choose one or the other, I understand. But you don't want to miss uh, you don't want to miss them both. The reason being, in that sex- second session, we are actually going to walk you through leading someone to Christ. It is so fun. It's exciting. And um, I want it to be that when, when we're done tomorrow, that you'll be able to say in your heart and in your mind, you'll be able to say, I got this because God's got this and we can do this. Because it can be done. Okay? So you don't want to miss tomorrow. What time we start? 11 o'clock? 11 o'clock, and we are going to be pushing it to get it all in by 12 because we have a chili cook off, and that's a big deal around here. That's what I hear. And so uh, we'll be done by 12, and then we'll start that second session. And when you're done, you will have the tools that you need to lead somebody to Christ. Now, Know this, it's not automatic, and it's not a magic potion that you get. It does take practice, and the more you practice, the better it gets. The more you practice, the easier it gets. Not easy in the sense that it, it's, 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 it's easy as in, oh, I got this. Every time I walk in to, uh, I call them a salvation appointment, and we'll find a little bit more about that tomorrow, Um, I walk in with confidence, respectful confidence, that, that the Holy Spirit has gone in front of me, before me, and he has already worked on a heart. And so I go in there. Carmen's usually praying up a storm. And I go in by faith, thanking God for what he's going to do. I have experienced something in the last four years that I have not experienced in the last 20. And that is making these salvation appointments, I have had all, but I would say four or five, not receive Christ once I've set these salvation appointments. I have never had that happen before, before I got to Mexico. And I want to share that with you. I believe it's, it's just an option. It's not the only way. It's not, uh, it's not the only Bible way. But it, it is a way. That, that we're going to present and we're going to see it biblically and we're going to see what Christ did and then we're going to try to apply it to our lives and you're going to have fun in it. I know you will. It'll be exciting. Matthew 28. Matthew 28. We need to get right on on this and lay the groundwork. We're going to look at the compelling nature of the great mission. Matthew 28, verse 16. We've read this verse many times and several of these verses, but 16 says then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee and into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them and when they saw him they worshiped him but some doubted and Jesus came and spake unto them saying all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever i have commanded you and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Let's pray, Lord. Um, there's no way that that this message can be shared without your help. I realize that, and so, Holy Spirit of God, I ask that you'd speak to our hearts tonight, and that you would take your word and apply it to our lives, and may it be effective, and may, may it uh, may it do a group. May you be able work through us tonight and through your word in jesus name we pray amen it has always been god's desire to reach the world god's original purpose for creating man was for fellowship and personal relationship and a daily walk if you go back and we're going to cover this tomorrow or yes tomorrow sorry i've got spanish and english just playing games in my brain right now, so please forgive me if, if stuff is, is mixed around. I normally only preach and teach in Spanish, so this is, this is exciting. Hallelujah. And that's why I wrote it down. The original purpose for God creating man was for fellowship. He makes man on the sixth day after he had made everything, did he not? And then he takes and he makes man and he places him in a perfect environment. To work? No. To do something? Not that I can tell. He just puts them there because he wants to come down every day in the cool of the day. Hallelujah. And he just wants to have fellowship with mankind. The original purpose for God creating man. A daily walk in a personal relationship. It wasn't until man was separated from God because of sin that nations were formed. And then when he needed a witness nation, a missionary nation, he then calls out Israel to reach the rest of the world. But then it wasn't until Israel fails to accomplish what God requested that we come to Matthew 28 where we find the words of Jesus, make disciples of all nations this in the original language that it was written in. It gives the idea of go ye, and and, and we'll talk about that tomorrow again, but go ye means as you are going make disciples. Given to a group of around 500 disciples on a hillside in Galilee who were the remnant, believing remnant of an apostate Israel. And it was to them all those who would be of like precious faith. With them, including ourselves, by application, that this command comes. We see in 1 Timothy, and let's look there really quick. We're going to be looking at several verses tonight, but in 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 Timothy chapter 2, and verse 3, the Bible says this For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. That is his desire. So the heart of God has always been a heart desirous to reach the world. When man blew it in the Garden of Eden on his own free will, he decided he was going to obey. God says... I still love them. I still love him. And I still want that walk. I still want that relationship. John 3, 16, we know it. And it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So it's no surprise then that he calls For making disciples of all nations. To make disciples is the heart of our calling. Luke chapter 14 verse 23 says, Go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. When you look up the word compel, it has several meanings. One is to drive or urge with force, another to seize, another to drive together, and another to call forth. That is why we are here. We exist just for that. The teaching, the preaching, the praise, the choir, the special, the prayer, the fellowship, the soccer, the chili cook-off, and all such things. That we hold near and dear are simply a means to an end, and it's an eternal, and that is making disciples. The idea of making a disciple is a beautiful term. The word matheteo, the verb used here, carries the idea of a believer and a learner, not just a believer and not just a learner, but a believer and a learner. We might say a believing learner. Or we can also say a learning believer. That's the idea that it gives. So have the mission of the church and the world can be singly defined as making believing learners or learning believers of all nations. Brother, uh, Brother Phil mentioned Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 we will go there if you don't know it by heart already. And again, I'm going to I'm gonna have to look it up. Why? Because it's, sw- it's swimming around in my brain in Spanish. And that's not going to do you any good, is it? <laughs> Acts chapter 1 and verse 7, the Bible says, And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the season which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the world. Then we go to John chapter 17. I told you we'd be looking at several verses, but John chapter 17 and verse 15. The Bible says, I pray not, Christ is speaking. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest Keep them from evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And then he says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And then in 18, he says, As thou hast sent me into the world, even so I also sent them into the world. Those of you that have Christ in your heart, You've received Jesus as your personal Savior. You've had that moment where you realized you were a sinner, that you were on your way to hell, and that you in your own self could not do anything about that. But you received Christ as your personal Savior, and you accepted that free gift of salvation. The Bible says that as as the Father sent Christ into the world, even so have I also sent them. He sent you into this world on purpose. That's why he saved you. That's why he saved me. That's why he has placed us in this world, is so that we can be a witness and we can make disciples. So we align ourselves with the calling and commission that has always been the heart of God. You have from Matthew chapter 4 through Matthew 28, nothing has changed. The tragedy, however, for the body of Christ, for us as believers, the church, is that many have lost sight of this great mission. How do we stay focused then? How do we not lose sight of God's mission? Let's look briefly at Matthew 28 again, verse 16. Matthew 28 and verse 16. For it is here that we see some attitudes of the disciples towards the end of Christ's ministry on the earth. We have some attitudes of the disciples. We'll start with the first one. Matthew 28 and verse 16. The Bible says this. If I can get there. There we go. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. We find here that the disciples were what? They were available. They were where they were supposed to be. The disciples weren't always where they were supposed to be. We can look at John 21, and many of you already know what happened there. In the beginning of chapter uh, 21 of John is where um, Christ had told them to wait for him somewhere. And, the, and and Peter, he got all bent out of shape, and, 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 and he said, Listen, I stink at this being a, a disciple thing, so I'm going to go fishing. That's something that I know. And so he had influence over the other disciples, and he said, I'm going fishing. The other ones said, Well, we're going fishing with you. And they totally disobeyed God and weren't where they were supposed to be, and they just went fishing. And that night they caught what? Nothing. And in the morning, guess who was on the shore? And they didn't see him at first, but he already had fish, and he had it over the flames. And he said, hey, did you guys catch anything? God does have a sense of humor. And as soon as he said that, when, it, when, it, when, it, when he said that, and he said, "Listen, why don't you try the other side?" And, and you can imagine the frustration. All night, they know they're fishermen. They know they know how to fish, they know where to fish, they know when to fish, and they caught nothing. And here's Christ turning fish over on the flame. And, uh, and, and they knew it was him. But here they were available. Here they were. They were where they were supposed to be when they were. It starts with being available. Weekend, we're going to look at a lot of things. We're going to learn a lot of things. But none of it is worth anything if you're not available. You say, well, how, how, how in the world? I mean, I'm not a missionary. I'm not a pastor. God's not asking you to do that. Because if he were, you would know it. And you would be in direct disobedience if you weren't doing it. And things would be happening in your life. But we just have to be available where we are at. Right here. In Millage. You don't have to be in Merida. You don't have to be somewhere else around the world to be available. It starts with being available where God has placed you. They were where they were supposed to be when they were supposed to be there. That's all you have to do, is be available. Sometimes, being available means not knowing where you're supposed to be going, or where you're headed. We have that example in Hebrews, and we won't look there for sake of time. But Hebrews chapter eleven and verse eight, we know it as the chapter, the Hall of Faith, if you would, and there it mentions Abraham talks about his faith, he literally picked up, grabbed everything, and for him it was quite a bit, and he took off not knowing where he was going at all. Sometimes being available means, yes, Lord, wherever, whenever, I'm ready, let's do this. Not knowing where you're going to go. Let me ask you a question. What if, what if, after this weekend, now, now don't not come back because you're scared that God might do this. But what if, when it was all said and done this weekend, something happened in your heart and the Holy Spirit spoke to your heart and said, I need you to go somewhere. Let me ask you a question. Would you do it? That's a scary thought. You know when it happened for me? Listen, I grew up on the mission field. From five years old, lived 20 years in Mexico. Married Carmen, went back for a few years to help my mom and dad in their ministry. And then we came back to the States for 20 years before this happened. One of the nights of our missions conference. I'm really going to scare him now. I was standing in the hallway of our church in Alabama, Speaking to a missionary who was talking to me about mo- n- the need for more help on the field, and the Lord hit me with it. I mean, it just, boom. It, 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 it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't nothing mysterious or anything like that. It was just an overwhelming sense that I needed to go back, and it was then. We, every year during missions conference, Carmen would look over at, at me during the message, and she said, are we supposed to go back? She would tell me that. Every year. Am I, am I not saying the truth? And, but this time, I mean, it, it hit me. And I knew at that moment, if I didn't go, I would be in direct disobedience. What if that happened to you? Now, I'm talking, we had just gotten to the point in our life where we are actually breathing financially. Five kids, and boy, do they eat. Hallelujah. As they grow and as they become teenagers, they, they, they don't eat. They raid the refrigerator. I mean, I, and I'm joking. I'm, I'm, I got a, my daughter here. My youngest is here, and, and she knows I'm joking. But it's expensive. It's expensive. And life is not cheap today. And we had just reached a moment in our life. It was not a good time, humanly speaking, to go to the field. But God said, Go. Are you available? the disciples were that has to be a key ingredient when it comes to making disciples now don't be afraid not everybody's supposed to go to Medina. not everybody's supposed to go to africa not everybody's supposed to go to wherever it is timbuktu but it could be that god needs you to do something right here and he's asking he's asking tonight are you available If I need you to speak to somebody, are you available? That's a question that we need to ask ourselves as we carry through this. 17 is the next attitude that we find. And when they saw him, they did what? They worshiped. You say, well, that's kind of different. I mean, they're disciples. They're the 12, you know, they're they're the ones that. They ran around with Christ for three years. They are the inner circle. They are the elite. They are where it's at. Why why is it a big deal that they worshiped him? Well, when you study what worship, worship is not just singing a song in a service. We call it our worship service. And and sometimes we, we tend to water down Word, not on purpose, but with the fact that it's just about singing. No, that's not what worship is. Yes, some doubted. It said until here, then surely their doubt was erased. But for one to fulfill the great commission, you must have a worshiping heart. That is to say, heart entirely and wholly set on Christ. All else is lost. Everything else fades away and everything else pales in comparison. Only what God wants is what's important. And it and it has top priority. Top priority. Let's see what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, really quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 1 said, but I determined, I'm in second. I need to go to the first one, don't I? It always helps. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and Sosthenes, our brother, unto the church, he says. Maybe it is second. Again, it would help if I was in the right chapter, wouldn't it? Here we go. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you, he said. Save what? Jesus Christ and him what? Crucified. And I was with you in what? Weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. Are you getting this? It doesn't, it doesn't have anything to do with talent. Capability, but in demonstration of what? Of the Spirit and of power. Whose power? The power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God. That your faith should not stand, what? In the wisdom of men, but in the power of God, it says. That's what Paul says about it. In Philippians chapter 3, we see some more. In Philippians chapter 3, and verse 10, the Bible says this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means, he says, I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, he says, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, he says, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. In the same book, first chapter verse 21, you know it. For to me, to live is what? And to die, the focus was clear. Single-mindedness making all the difference in the world. And when they saw him, verse 17 of our our scripture reading, they worshipped him. So then the question is again tonight, not only are we available... But is He our everything? Is He where it's at in our life? Does He occupy the main seat? I'm not only talking to adults. I'm talking to young people tonight. You say, well, you expect me to live the life of a, of a young person, of a teenager, and have, and have Christ as preeminent in my life? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's no reason why you can't. Let me ask you this. You were willing to ask Him to, and accept Him as your personal Savior and accept the free gift that He paid for you on the cross, were you not? Why would it be any different or why would we think it odd that we place Him in His deserving spot in our life when He asks of us to worship Him? Just wondering. And here's the thing. Guess who it benefits? God doesn't doesn't get any more ribbons every time you sign up to do something for him. He doesn't earn any merit badges for the amount of Christians that take off and serve him. Oh, I got so many missionaries on the field. God doesn't have bragging rights for that. He's already there. It actually benefits us. It's worth for me to do what he asked me to do. In fact, he says he's going to bless me for it. And he does. He says he's going to take care of every single need that I have if I decide to do it. And he does. How could I go wrong? How could I go wrong? So are we available? Does he occupy that place of worship in our life? And then the last one, and everybody says hallelujah. Verse 18 of chapter 28 of Matthew. Chapter 28. And I'll get there. And he says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. And this one got me. This one got me. To be honest, I've been guilty of skimming over this verse on my way to verse 19. All my life, without pausing to take in the magnitude of what the lips of Christ uttered at this moment, he did not say, All right. I've got all the power, so let's go get them. A lot of times we read this verse and we're like, hey, guys, you got everything you need, so let's go for it. He didn't say that. Somebody's saying, okay, I've got the snacks. Almost. He said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. What is he saying? He's saying, I have all authority. All authority, both in heaven and in earth. All authority, God gave Christ. He said, it's all yours. You are where it's at. All authority over Matthew 4.23, over sickness, over Matthew 4.24, and many other over death, in John chapter 11. All authority over all religious teachers and leaders, over my friends, over my boss, over my life has all authority. And it was given to Christ. We find that in John chapter 3. And let's look there. Least, least we, um, we, we are, 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 are smitten with a little bit of doubt. The Bible says in John chapter 3 and verse 35, The Father loveth the Son and hath given all things into his hand, he says. All authority. There comes a day when he returns with the fullness of that authority. He collects his own, that's us, the redeemed, and in worship then, Christ in turn, and we're talking about the future, He gives them to his Father. That's how he worships his Father. He collects the redeemed and he offers it to him, to the one who has been given all power and authority. What do you do to such an individual? What do you do to someone that has, or to an entity that has all power in heaven and in earth? Guess what? We submit. I submit. Okay, you've heard that, you've heard the expression before, you're the boss. Let's use that at home, don't we? Talking to the guys now, no, I'm just teasing. Why does he make this statement in verse 18? Because it is on this basis of our submission. It is on this basis of our yielding our will to his authority. Remember, it's a voluntary thing. He's not going to force it but it's on this basis of our yielding our will to his authority and to his power that we place ourselves, guess what? In the spot where we can obey. If you're not submitted, you can't obey. It's not possible. So tonight we talked about three things. We talked about being available. And we're, we're looking at the attitudes of the disciples here in Matthew 28. They were available. They were where they were supposed to be, when they were supposed to be. They worshipped him. Some doubted. But then later on, it is understood that they come around. And there's going to be moments in our life. There's going to be times in our life where we're going we're to be looking up saying, God, where are you? I don't see you. I don't feel you. There're gonna be times, and that, that, that happened to the disciples. But they were available. They worshipped him. They gave him his rightful place in their life, and then they submitted to all power and all authority in heaven and earth, and that is to God. So that leaves us with a decision tonight. How are we doing? How are we doing personally? Not talking as a church talking about each person in their own heart not in front of everybody but in, in front of almighty God the one who has all authority and all power how are you doing tonight are you available does he occupy his rightful place in your life in every part of your life is there something that if God were to say hey I need that would you say okay here Or would you be reluctant to take your hands off and allow him to take it? And then will you submit? Because we're not going to be able to obey unless we do that. Many of you have kids. Many of you know that the early part of raising your children has to do with their will and it has to do with teaching them that it's better if they obey because you're training them you're training them how they're going to respond in life to everybody in authority around them you work with them and it's hard work you have to be consistent Eventually, they have to give in. They have to submit. Why? You've heard it. You've said it. I'm the mom. I'm the, until, you, until you start paying your own rent. Under my house, under my roof, we've, we've made those statements. Have we not? God says this. I'm the boss, but I'm not going to make you. He wants us to do it willingly. Because forced love is not love. Forced respect is not respect. Forced submission is not truly you. You'll never be happy. If you're doing it, begrudgingly, I would encourage us tonight, as we go into this weekend, honestly, I'm I'm excited, and I already know what I'm going to teach. In fact, I've been living it for the last four years, and I'm excited about tomorrow. Why? Because it freed me up. It got rid of the guilt in my life. Be honest with me. Every week that goes, He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna rip my lips off. No, he's not gonna do that. But he's he's gonna he's gonna preach and he's gonna teach out of the Word of God and we're gonna talk about 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 reaching the world. And man, it's missions conference week, and I haven't told anybody. And you're just ridden with guilt, and the more guilt you have, the less you feel like, you, the less you feel worthy of doing it. To, you know, listen, it's not about that. God says it's okay. Listen, I got this. I got this. All I need you to do is be available, give me my rightful place, and if you'll yield to what I have in store for you, man, it'll be easy to follow what I have for you. Where you're at and what he has you doing right now. Not what somebody else is doing. if God has spoken to your heart tonight I'm not going to take a long time I'm just going to say this I'm going to pray and if you'll do me a favor tonight if you want it's not not a forced thing but I hope you would I hope that right now you would say in your heart to the Lord whatever it is that he spoke to you about Lord I'm tired I want to give you a rightful place in my life. I'm available. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Lord, whatever you have for me to learn this weekend, I want to learn. I I, want to see what you got in store for me. I want to see what exciting things you have. If you would, would you pray right there in your chair and talk to God Whatever it is that he spoke to you about, go ahead and talk to him for just a few moments. And I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to turn it over to Brother Phil. And we'll be done for tonight. Thank you for coming out tonight. Thank you for taking time. Father.